Welcome to the Center of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Camp is here. That's right. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. So, just so you know, this podcast is brought to you by the Dollar Shave Club. Um, <laughs> you can get great razors ordered directly to your house at convenient intervals whenever you want. Uh, Dollar Shave Club, they're the best razors in the business. Free advertising. Definitely go to Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> Um, dollarshaveclub.com. That's where you get them. So Michael is absolutely right. Training camp is here. There is finally stuff to talk about with the Browns. There are news stories flying around, all sorts of things happening. Uh, Training camp sold out um, very quickly. Um, It doesn't cost any money, but you got to get your tickets. And a ton of people want to go see this new look Browns team. Very, very excited. The excitement is real. My favorite thing Palpable. is like watching these videos and like hearing the roars from the crowd. <laughs> like literally, like that's not an exaggeration. Like the cheering from the stands is insane. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's every time OBJ makes a catch, every time Jarvis makes a catch, and it's like they're still playing like NFL football, but it's practice, and the defenders aren't coming through like mowing you down you yeah. know you're not going through you like you've got a little more a little more space a little more time but the crowd loves it the majority of practice i've seen they've been wearing shorts hasn't yeah. been full contact they're just running around there but the oohs and ahs are real because the quarterback wide receiver combo i mean that's still the same doesn't matter um and obj has had a couple of tremendous catches um that i'm sure you've seen have you seen the one where he double double caught it yeah, it was like one of his first catches. It was one of his first week. catches. He was absolutely out of bounds. I, I just want to go he ahead. He like double clutched it? He like double clutched it. it. By the time he, he caught it, his knees were out of bounds. He was out of bounds. Everyone was going off about that, and I couldn't think about anything else. I mean, it was impressive, that the hand-eye coordination. So, Ooh. Ooh, Speaking of, yeah, this, this triggered something in my, in my brain. Yeah. I forgot to bring this up. Um, I was playing golf the other day, and I was in a foursome, and there was a twosome that came up behind us, so we let them play through. So they were, they were getting ready to tee off, and we were just chatting with the guy. Turns out one of the guys is an NFL referee. Oh, wow. And well, so this he, is nice. What's his day job? I have no idea. He was playing golf. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and so he's an NFL referee, and so he lives here in Nashville, and he was telling us that he was recently at a Titans practice, and he also did a Bengals OTA. Oh, and really? He was talking to my friends who I was golfing with, and they're Titans fans, and I didn't mention that I was a Browns fan, but he was saying that the Titans... Whoa, 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 whoa. Why did you not mention I, your loyalty as I a Browns fan? I wasn't leading this conversation. I've been this telling, was, this I've been like telling everybody seconds. I'm a Browns fan lately. <laughs> this was like 45 seconds. Um, and so I was just kind of listening to what they were saying, and he was saying that he was up at the Bengals OTAs a while, like three, four weeks ago, whenever OTAs yep. were, and he was saying, woof. <laughs> he was like the titans look good Bengals really? look terrible okay but if these are the two comparison sets you have that doesn't mean the titans are good it that doesn't just necessarily mean the, the Bengals good, suck. but it means the Bengals look terrible both of those things are important because yes. that's three games out of our season yeah no absolutely so okay. word, word on the street from an nfl ref that's interesting. So, Matthew, why didn't you get this guy's number and ask him to come on the pod? I, I thought about it. I, I can always follow up. Okay. Matthew's the worst one of us to be in that situation. If either one of us were there, we would be on the pod right now. You'd be listening to an NFL referee. <laughs> no, I thought, I thought about that about, like, half a hole too late. <laughs> I apologize to all the listeners, Matthew. <laughs> all right. There we go. Oh, yeah, he was going to. But for what it's worth. 
Don't worry about the Bengals this year. That I mean, the Bengals like... have the perfect storm of just like terrible situation. Oh, yeah. the injuries. I mean, the coaching staff is crap. First of all, they have injuries coming out there. AJ Green, AJ Green. They have an aging ankle. roster. They like there's just very few positives that you can point to on that entire team. It's unbelievable. Like no, if I was a Bengals fan, true. like I'd be grasping for straws. But like with these recent injuries, like I don't think there's anything you can point to to really feel good about the prospects. No, I mean Joe Mixon. Oh, but you have no offensive line for him. So how do you good feel luck. good about that? Clint Bowling retired. I mean, there's just bad left and right. Ooh, that's going to be bad. Nothing inspiring confidence. Do they win a division game? I don't think so. I don't think they can beat any of the division teams. It'd be hard for them to. I would give them one. I'd give them one, and it's, you know, maybe a miracle game somewhere early in the season. But, but like, the over-under has got to be set at .5, right? <laughs> like, Probably. Like, like, nobody's saying they win two. Yeah. Oh. That's yeah, well, it's gonna be bad. They they as, could have the number one pick in the draft next year. As always, what's terrible news for any of our division rivals is great news for us. Which that would actually stink because there's gonna be some good quarterbacks coming out. Yeah, and almost certainly they'll take a quarterback they get to in that situation. Herbert, Their timing is get. perfect for them to take a quarterback. They'll probably take one regardless. I mean, even if they don't have the number one pick, they'll be within the range to take one of those top guys. You'd have to think. I mean, who else is in in range for that number one pick? I mean, we're talking about the Dolphins. Dol- the Dolphins potentially. We'll see how Josh Rosen plays. That roster is kind of rough, but Ooh. I kind of like where they're at. Like starting from bottom with a quarterback that's got potential. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to have a rough year, but they're not going to be in position to take quarterback. Here's they're a qu- here's a question yeah. for you. So Andy Dalton's obviously not great, but they're not paying Andy Dalton a ton of money. Is there something to be said for having a middle of the road quarterback that you can build a team around? if you don't want to win a Super Bowl, but why are you playing football if you're not going to ever win a championship? But do you think you can win a championship? Like, there's been tons of quarterbacks that, that have won championships since, that like, haven't Trent Dilfer. Like, literally... Like, 19 years ago. Trent Dilfer did it? Well, I mean, Drew... So, Foles just won a championship. Do you think Foles is so more th- than a middle-of-the-road quarterback? I, he absolutely I, isn't. I think you can, but not, like, in the long term. Like, I don't think you can have a, a middling quarterback for 12 years and expect suddenly to be able to, like, put the pieces together. Like, there's, there's something in, like, the, the rise and fall where you, you either have those, like, low, low draft picks where you're able to, to gather top-end talent, right, to pair with that middling quarterback. Or, like, you, you've got to build on the backs of rookie deals, right? So... Absolutely. If, if you're if you're middling and you always think like, oh no, we've got a shot. When are you ever going to be in the situation where you're like, you know what, we're going to get rid of some high priced veterans. We're going to play the rookies. We're going to like give these guys a shot. I just don't think that's ever in the makeup of an NFL team. The full situation. I've been thinking about this recently. The Eagles had their young rookie quarterback on the cheap deal. MVP caliber season goes down in the second half of the year and Foles comes in and they have the coaching and they have the infrastructure. They have the rest of the team enough where they're able to keep it afloat and win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's like wasn't making much money. Neither of them were making Foles was making not that much that year. And then they paid him a decent bit the next off season after he was Super Bowl MVP. (laughs) 
Um, which good, is just good, a ridiculous good, situation. Good for Nick Foles. Just a ridiculous situation all around, right? But the Browns are in that same situation. I mean, it was Carson Wentz's second season. This is Baker Mayfield's second season. The infrastructure for the rest of the team is there. We have no idea. The jury is out on the coaching staff for the Browns. I'm not going to pretend that like the rest of the infrastructure is at the same level. The Browns don't have a backup quarterback that you could toss in there that could sustain things to lead them through a playoff run. Garrett Gilbert? We don't have it. Is is that a weak link? I mean, like, I think our really, season gets tossed out the window if Baker Mayfield. I think you're really down. tossing shade at the AAF. But <laughs> yes, but like at the same time, I don't think ahead of when the Eagles went into that year, nobody was saying that Nick Foles was that guy. Nick Foles was about to retire. Nick, Nick Foles had just finished playing. I don't agree. Out, out in LA, where he had a terrible season. He was playing out there with Case Keenum. They were both playing behind Jared Goff, who had the worst statistical rookie year of like anybody ever. And well, that was he a was Jeff about, Fisher problem, not it, a Jared Goff problem. Sure, but he was about to retire. He's on record as saying that. And then he got the call from the Eagles, and he decided that this was a team and this was a coaching staff he wanted to play for. Like Nobody looked at that Eagles staff and was like, you know what? If Carson Wentz goes down, we've got Nick Foles. Like I don't, I don't know that that's a position you find yourself in as a team where you ever feel great about, you know what? If our number one guy goes down, our backup's good. Well, the goes Eagles, back to the Tom the, Moore situation. The Eagles the next year did find themselves in that situation. Yeah, you bring up the Tom Moore thing all the time, and I agree. But we have an example within the last two years of a backup quarterback coming in and winning the Super Bowl. So like, there's. Right, you but I'm saying it's just not something you plan for. Like, like it's an anomaly. Like, it's amazing that it happened. Good for Nick Foles. Good for the Eagles. Great. Like, maybe it was talent evaluation. But injuries happen, whatever. and it's the most important position in the entire game. And if you can get marginally better and give yourself a chance to be in that conversation, like, shouldn't you do that? But I, do you, I think it's who, worthwhile. But I guess who do you – like, we have NFL teams who can't even find starting quarterbacks. So, like, who do you suggest we, like, go sign? Yeah, no. Like, I have like no. There, I don't know that there's a solution to your problem. Like, ideally, yes, we would have a guy who, if Baker goes down, you would feel great about him coming in. I don't think that guy exists. I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. The same is also. It's also true that what you just said, I guess, is that if Baker goes down, we're we're done. Like that's it. Like. There's no way yeah. Garrett Gilbert yeah. or you Drew Stanton to... are coming in and we're going to have any sort of team that's going to contend. If it's a season-ending injury, yeah, you're done. If it's not a season-ending injury, you hope you have a guy on the roster in Garrett Gilbert or Drew Stanton who can hold the fort down, play decent football, like not let the ship sink until he comes back. I think there's a good chance that he does. Drew Stanton's got a running record in the NFL. He does. And, and terrible stats in those games. But he's the W... The W's look good compared to the L's. But, yep. I mean, that's what you want from a backup quarterback. Like, like keep the ship afloat. Yep. Like, it doesn't have to be sexy. You're not making the Pro Bowl. Like, just get us wins when we need them. Like, play 500 football. That's absolutely right. And, nevertheless, when we look at training camp this entire year, our defense has been producing. Our defense has been winning the battle this entire season. So, if Baker goes down, Drew steps in, our defense might could win us games. But that also leaves the question, like, is our offense not producing or is our defense that good? Like, is our offense not clicking 
or is our defense clicking way better than they have last year? Are like, are we okay on offense? I think it's a reasonable question. I mean, it's it's only five days through training camp, so it's pretty early to make any sort of observation. We're just hearing reports from those that are at camp. We haven't actually phys- watched any of it ourselves. So it's really hard to say. But I think at this point in camp, you want the defense to be ahead of where the offense is. We have a new offensive coordinator working with a new head coach that's an offensive mind is likely going to be calling the place. There's going to be kinks to be worked out. This is the first time the whole team's been there. They've been in pads and everything going on. The defense has been running the same thing the entire offseason. They should be in a better, stronger be, spot. I mean, it's a new defensive coordinator as well. That's true. They're, they're running a new scheme. But just the nature of defense, it's read and react more, more, more than anything. So I think at this point in camp, you, you expect the defense to be the superior unit as the offense kind of gels, gets used to the new scheme, the new players, the new whatever, and then everything evens out. Or if your offensive unit is superior to the defense, they'll, they'll surpass them. Um, I think it's great that the defense has been it dominating. It seems good for the health far. of our team from the oh, balance standpoint. Absolutely. I think it's <clears throat> fantastic. And I also think the the dynamic of bringing in OBJ, who obviously we'll talk about this later, but draws a lot of the attention. You've yep. got Baker, who just has this magnetic personality, draws a lot of the attention. Nobody is talking about the Browns' defense, specifically the defensive front four that we have put together. Our secondary looks like it could be nasty if if we if we fill that strong the safety corners, position. The corners at least look yeah, pretty strong. Corners look nasty. We've got Demarius Randall, who's who played a great safe, free safety last year. We've got for one year. Yeah, our defense could be really really dominant this year, and nobody's talking about it. Oh yeah, no, it's very quiet. I think it's the like the most underrated probably position or side of the ball. In the NFL, across the board, nobody's talking about our defense. Like, and and we they're have, strong across the board. We like, have two of the top fifteen like defensive ends in the league, statistically. Okay, I've got a bone to pick. You know, the NFL does this like little deal this time of top the year. They players. do their top one hundred players, which is like voted on by the players, I guess. So I guess Baker and Miles are like back to back. They're like forty nine right and fifty. Forty nine and fifty. Do you know who forty eight was? Who? This just baffles me. So 48 should be a player that, like, if you're taking that player ahead of 49, you feel better about taking 48, right? Like, on equal playing ground, if they're, like, the same position, which they are in this case, you would take 48 over 49. Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram's good. He's good, but would you take him ahead of Miles Garrett? Nope. I wouldn't. Who takes Melvin Ingram ahead of Miles Garrett? Anyone who takes Juju Smith Juju Smith Schuster is forty seven. Who takes Juju Smith Schuster over Miles Garrett? I mean, but that's at least different positions. There's a lot to debate. There's a lot of gray area. Like I, I'm okay with dismissing that. When Melvin Gordon and Miles Garrett are both edge players, and you've got Melvin Gordon ahead of Miles Garrett, it just blows. Melvin my mind. Ingram. Melvin Ingram. Sorry, they play on the same team. I do that all the freaking time. <laughs> they have the same hair. Also. <laughs> Oh, man. Also what? But the defense, 
to go back to Mark's original comment about the defense and what you said, Matthew, about that whole unit being underrated, it is pretty exciting. I mean, they've kind of dominated. And it raises the question, like, is our offensive line crap? Maybe. Like, this is my only, like, major but, concern. But if it's it the was, weakest point on our team. But if it was, if it is crap, it probably was crap last year, and we made it work. Like, we, we obviously lost Kevin Zeitler. I mean, that's big. Like, I don't know if that's like, true. That's big, but it's our right guard. It's the least important position on our offensive line. Like, Fair. like least important position is right guard. And we lost one of the best in the league. But I don't think that's taking our offensive line from very competent where Baker didn't get sacked and we ran the ball great for the we second half of last so year. so many people to inside. Now we're crap. Here's what happened, though. And this I don't think this is talked about enough. So I was just talking before we started recording that the Browns led the league in 13 personnel, which is one running back, three tight ends. When Freddie Kitchens came in, he ran a bunch of that formation. The reason you do that formation is when your tackles suck and you need extra blocking. And he was it was brilliant because you've got Greg Robinson, you've got Chris Hubbard. They aren't the strongest part of your line. You bring extra tight ends in. You can do creative things and keep the defense on their toes. That's what he did. That's why we didn't have big-time sack numbers last year. But we've got a new offensive coordinator coming in, and – but the Tampa Freddy's, Bay Buccaneers still did not. The plays. That's Freddy's fine. Still like running, that's fine. running the show. But it's a question mark. How that's getting handled? The division of labor. Who's calling the shots? Who's coordinating everything? Like it's a question mark. It's not the same exact situation as we had at the second half of last year. And we have different people in place. We are down a Kevin Zeitler on the offensive line. Like there are significant question marks on that front. Like. The reason we ran 13 personnel so often is because our tackles aren't the best. And that's the same tackles we're rolling out this year. And I have seen positive signs from Greg Robinson. I'm hoping he's an even better version of himself than he was last year. You've seen some one-on-ones against Miles and some video clips where he's holding his own. It's got to help him playing against Miles and Olivier Vernon. So every day. Well, what are you implying, though? Like, are you implying that Todd Monken's going to come in with his offense and he's going to say, hey, Freddie, what you were doing last year isn't going to work. We have to do this thing. And then as soon as that doesn't work, doesn't matter because Freddie's calling the shots and he's going to go back to what he was doing before. And Freddie is the ultimate decision maker. You're, you're painting this picture that there's a good chance that this goes bad because Todd Monken enters the equation. I don't think that that's necessarily I'm, true. I'm, I'm not trying to be that negative. Also, I'm also, trying to, I'm trying to see the whole realm of possibilities, and I think that is like one end of the spectrum. I also think there's, there's, and we're not talking about it very much. There's sure. two moves that we made in the offseason that suggest to me that we're going to take a similar approach that we did towards the end of last season. One is we re-signed Greg Robinson. I know left tackles don't grow on trees, but if if we weren't super confident in our ability to, to like make Greg Robinson work, we wouldn't have given him, what was it, like $10 million a year? No, not even. Eight, it's eight. seven, and he has yeah. the opportunity to get up to nine. Okay, great. We re-signed Greg Robinson. We also re-signed Orson Charles, yep. who was originally brought to the Browns as like a Hugh Jackson like little Pied Piper follower. Like was one of Hugh Jackson's favorite players. Like played for him. <laughs> Baker's the Pied Piper, not Baker's Hugh Jackson. Pied Piper, Come on, sorry. Um, Orson Charles played for Hugh Jackson in Cincinnati. Came with him in Cleveland. It was known that Hugh Jackson liked him a lot. He 
doesn't offer a lot on offense. He's he's a blocker. He was playing H-back, fullback for us. Um, was one of the better blocking tight ends in the league when he lined up. The only reason to have Orson Charles on your roster when you also have a Demetrius Harris on your roster is if you're going to be playing a lot of like multi-tight end sets and you're going to like have him in there run blocking, pass blocking frequently. So I, I have to think that the, the front office and the coaching staff are – are in sync on this. That's what I was just about to say. You know, like, like, that that makes like, sense. Like if that, there can't be a disconnect that that closely tied. It just, I, I, especially with John Dorsey leading the coaching search in this case, where it was John Dorsey's decision to keep Freddie Kitchens on. Like I just can't imagine a situation where this this has been overlooked. Where it's like we haven't talked about the offensive line and offensive <laughs> philosophy. Like, oh, who would have thought? Like, you have to come give on. <laughs> that smallest benefit of the doubt. You have to. All right, so let's talk about some other things from training camp. Um, we all came up with a couple things that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Matthew, you want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. Go on your piece. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, everybody loves OBJ here because um, he's, I would say, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and so the fact the that best. he's on... Mm. I, I think so. What DeAndre Hopkins is rated 99 on Madden? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I'll, I'll, I'll take OBJ. I'll take OBJ. Um, I I think it's really interesting, and I'm uh, there's there's been a, a couple like really interesting media pieces recently who've who've kind of touched on this, but the the disconnect between how OBJ is perceived in the media and in the like um, public perception versus his actual behavior. Is, is very stark. You, I mean, you look at folks like Antonio Brown who forced their way out of Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown's my new favorite player, by the way, he's, because of what he did he's great. to Pittsburgh. He's great. I love that guy. So I, I will caveat all of this by saying I think all of this is awesome. <laughs> uh, but, like, Antonio Brown shows up in a hot air balloon to, to training camp, and, and Jalen Ramsey shows up in an armored truck. Brinks truck. And there was a... By the way, hot uh, air balloon's my new, like, short-term life goal. Who was it? Like It's been Dad's life goal. Dad's one We could give no. him that 60th birthday. Perfect. Dad, what? don't listen Dang to this it. podcast. <laughs> he knows um, now. But one of the Colquitts, I don't know. <laughs> who was it? Which Colquitt do we have? Do we have Britain? Britain? Britain. We have Britain. So Dustin... His, his brother showed up to training camp in, like, this, like, armored military, like, vehicle, whatever, with, like, the other, like, specialists. Like, he and the kicker and the holder, like, oh, all showed gosh. up together, which is great. And the way that OBJ's covered and the media attention that he gets and the reputation for being a diva and everything, like, he gets thrown into that group, and he doesn't do any of that. Yeah. He just shows up, and he plays football. And I was listening to, to a podcast, The Sports podcast with katie nolan and she was talking about talking to obj at the espies mm-hmm. where he was saying like look i'm getting a bunch of flack for not showing up to otas like i don't live in cleveland like i live in la like i don't get paid for being at otas it's voluntary i would have to like find a place to live put my dogs like in boarding like pay for a place, like, eat all the costs of my place Interrupt out in LA. my training. Like, interrupt my training. Like, do all that. Like, if you want me to be there, pay me to be there, and we can make it happen. I just think that there's just this, like, stark disconnect between 
the man that OBJ is and the way that he goes about his business versus the the perception that he has because he's gregarious and passionate and whatever yeah. on the football. You know what's well, funny about a- this? Hey, oh, quick comment. Yeah. How similar, like, I'm hearing you say that, and you had you know, alluded to that before we even started recording, but hearing you say it this time, that sounds exactly like the way people perceive versus talk about Baker Mayfield. No, it's, it's very true. So similar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's all we heard in the draft process last year is like, oh, he's a wonder boy. He's like, thinks, you know, everything's going for him. He doesn't respond to authority. There's, there's he's no not dedicated to his craft. He's a, you know, there's no on nuance. the field, off the field yeah. is completely different. It's either you shut up and you do your job, which in this case is also what Odo Beckham's doing, which is confusing. Yeah. But it's like, it's like you don't cause problems and you're good or you like draw attention here's the thing about obj people like odell because of the catch because he's a phenomenon all across the league because he's got style because he's got show because he's got class because he lived in new york city because think, he was a phenomenon like in a new york good, city. nice person he's a good nice person everybody is drawn to obj but he is not like he is not whoring attention towards himself by any stretch of the imagination the attention has come to him and he's doing what he can with it he's creating his own brand you know he's has his youtube channel he's doing everything that he can do to build who odell beckham jr is but he's not he's just that's just savvy he's got this platform he might as well use it but he's not going above and beyond like jalen ramsey or any of these guys are it's nothing like that and it's the same as baker baker's going to take what he does and he's going to use it but he's not going to go above and beyond to draw attention to himself. Like imagine if Antonio Brown showed up to Brown's training camp after all the hype and everything that's been going on with the Browns recently, like we're the most talked about team in the league. Probably one of them. Uh, Remarkably. That's actually an accurate statement. It really is. And OBJ didn't do a thing. Imagine what Antonio Brown would do when he shows up to camp, Jalen Ramsey, anything. It'd be a show. Yeah. He's not. He's not that. It would be like an orange chrome. Oh yeah. Like Blackhawk well, helicopter. But I will say, have you have you seen OBJ's like? That I car? think it's a Roy, Rolls Royce of him, and it's got a, a hood ornament, custom hood custom yeah. made that comes up with it's him the making the, the catch. Elf? Or no, it's him making <laughs> no, it's the him making the catch that comes up, and he got that's he, incredible. He has it so that it's stowed away underneath the hood. So that I'm probably some hobo doesn't steal it whenever no, it's that's, just like that's sitting how, there. That's how like the Rolls Royce logos work. When you turn oh, the they car do. on, they, they like, pop, pop up. up. And yeah, he so just he replaced just replaced it. it with him like making the catch. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that so yeah. much. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And uh, and like I'm all for it. Like I'm all for like Antonio Brown showing up in a hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. Like like if that Jalen Ramsey showing up in a brink truck, that's actually really funny. That that that's really was, funny. <laughs> what does that cost? You think? Okay, and it wasn't it was actually a Brinks truck. It was sponsored truck. by Adidas. Okay, it actually wasn't even a Brinks truck, I don't think. It wasn't like a Brinks branded. I don't know what it was, but I love that Brinks has just completely dominated that, that market. Yeah. That's opportunity marketing right there. They get the credit. They absolutely did. They got on our podcast. Oh, it's it's so freaking good. Like it's, and I would have no problem if if a Browns player like had fun. Could you imagine? You know, they, like God, for, not, God forbid they have fun. They're not have allowed you, to do that yet. Could you imagine the backlash you, that would happen from people just j- 
assholes on Twitter. Did that would hear? be like, oh yeah, why don't you go ahead and go to the playoffs first before speaking, you show up? In speaking a- of speaking of assholes on Twitter, did you guys happen to see what Mark Schlereth's response was to Antonio Brown showing up in a? I did not know. He was oh, like, there, there used to be a time where you would show up in your own vehicle with a with a blanket and maybe a pillow and get to work. <laughs> it's like, That's hilarious. He doesn't work for ESPN anymore. Like he's on his own like blog or Twitter or whatever. Oh, he just like he's not employed by the media anymore. I don't think so. Oh, that's just hilarious. spouting off about like what being a man used to be like. Everybody, and it's like, wait. You brought a blanket, maybe a pillow? Like, there's, are you sure about that? There's nothing more marketable to the world than an angry baby boomer. That's what people <laughs> love hearing from an angry baby boomer. No matter what the gripe is, it's always entertaining. You yeah. bring it to Twitter, you brought it to our marketplace. Let's go. The guy who bragged about peeing himself on the football field is telling everybody <laughs> else how to behave. <laughs> Yes, because you clearly have it all together. You've figured out. You're just so Your priorities are perfectly in order. <laughs> he sleeps like a baby at night. I peed myself because <laughs> it was my job. That is absolutely hilarious. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. All right, one of the other things we want to talk about is let's talk about this kicker situation. Um, so we spent a fifth round draft pick on Austin Seibert. Um, and reports yes, or a couple days ago was that he went in a head-to-head competition with Greg Joseph. Seibert went one for four. Greg Joseph went four for four. Um, what are we going to do about this? Right, I mean, obviously, I mean, that is such a small, well, what is that? That is a small. Small sample size. That's exactly right, Matthew. But, but I'll say the answer is simple. Like, whoever kicks the best gets the job. Like, I don't give a crap about the fifth-round draft pick yeah, at, this at this point. Okay, well, here's the thing. That is one sample. I think they've only had like two head-to-head like competitions like that where they've both kicked at the same distances and gone. Both times, Greg Joseph has fared better. This most recent time is what you just mentioned, and Seibert was definitely far worse. But they also did an impromptu situation, like end-of-the-game deal yesterday, I think, in the same practice where Seibert sucked balls. But they both... Dropped the ball. Neither one of them executed their kicks at the end of the impromptu session. They both missed. So I don't just have questions about cyber. I have questions about the kicker situation overall. Like, we spent a fifth-round pick. That's no small thing. That guy's got the tiebreaker. The fifth-round pick's the tiebreaker. There's no doubt in my mind. But he's definitely, objectively, the worst kicker so far from what you can tell from watching training camp. They both have big legs from everything we've seen, but Greg Joseph's made more kicks. I think we have to entertain the conversation of somebody else experience getting dropped and getting picked up by the Browns before the season starts. But who is that? I mean, it's impossible to know. I'm genuinely asking because I don't, I'm not following the like kicking situation of but, all 32 teams. But those things happen like late in camp, and somebody gets dropped from like a salary cap reason where there's like a rookie or somebody. Like I don't know all of the other 31 kicking situations so, well enough to know. I mean, I would totally entertain a situation where it's it's neither of these two guys. I would also be completely fine with a situation where we spent a fifth round draft pick on Austin Seibert and it put the pressure on Greg Joseph and brought the best out of him. This is a good point. In, in my mind, that's a fifth-round draft pick well spent. Like, 
you you don't draft a kicker in the fifth round for to not come out into the season with a kicker. Like you don't give a crap if it's Austin Seibert. You just want a kicker that performs. Right? Yep. So Agreed. if if you use that fifth round draft pick and it kicks Greg Joseph in the ass and says, All right, now like go out there and dance. Yep. And he does, I'm fine with that. Like I don't I don't view that as a wasted pick at all. Because otherwise he wouldn't have had that pressure. Here you go. Phil Dawson is an unrestricted free agent. <laughs> Phil was not great his no. last year. Oh, this past year. Yes. Yeah. So my, my, my favorite Phil, thing about Phil that kicker has a great career. He was not great. Absolutely. Last year. We don't want anyone to clip that. And yeah. my favorite thing about this whole kicker head to head situation is it was reported that John Dorsey was standing underneath the field goal post <laughs> with his arms crossed watching them <laughs> kick the field goals. I mean, but I isn't, mean, that but isn't gotta, that how that you have gotta to tra- factor in? Like, but, right? No, but isn't that how you have to treat a kicker? Because a kicker has to go in and perform on the spot, yeah. right? You got to put you the to most do. pressure on the under screen. the highest pressure. Exactly, and That's the amazing. highest pressure is the person making the decision about who's. And you be just a see the sweatshirt with his them. arms <laughs> folded underneath. The- <laughs> isn't that amazing? That's how I, I love that about just John chomping Dorsey. his gums like you can see his <laughs> jaw moving like from forty-five yards away. Like you probably hear it. From all the way back there, just they can always hear it. In the air, Dorsey's and John Dorsey is living in their head. But right now, it's a hundred degrees in Cleveland. He's still wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> but right now, like, isn't it undoubtedly Greg Joseph's job? It's got to be. Yeah. Like, like if we had to cut down to fifty-three today, like if like the, Greg Joseph's get got the job, there's no question. We got to see what they do in in a game situation. I mean, the games are going to matter more than anything. They're going to probably split halves, I would guess, in the games and yeah. both get equal opportunities and for the most part. probably first and second half and yeah. do, do that whole thing. I mean, uh, I would imagine these cuts won't be made. How, does the, how do the cuts work? It's one cut now, yeah. right? It goes from 90 to 53, doesn't it? Yeah. Whew. That's it's, brutal. It absolutely is brutal. That's got to be a bad day. I'm looking at the... Um, headlines on or the bottom line on NFL Network. The Saints released Cameron Meredith today. I mean, he hasn't done crap. Well, he was kind of injured last him. year, but they only signed him last year. They don't have like an incredible depth chart at wide receiver. That that's an interesting release. I it doesn't really affect the Browns at all. Like we don't have a need for Cam. No, Meredith, it doesn't. It doesn't affect us. I'm just surprised by that. Can like, he kick? <laughs> We need defensive. T- I, I would say our priorities are defensive tackle depth, and then maybe maybe. All right, let's kicker. talk about that. Another defensive tackle that we didn't get, and seemingly didn't even get a chance to get. Mike Daniels. No, we had a no, chance he, to get. He, he was our first us. visit. But I. But like we had the first visit. I should say. But why would he not choose the Browns? That Did is you what. See that that's contract? what doesn't make any. He's sense. making more money to play for the Lions next year than he would have made on the contract that the Packers weren't willing to pay him. Yeah. Oh, like I, making, did, I didn't see the final contract. Mil. It was over oh. $9 million. Oh, okay. It's so, unbelievable. So I fully believe that the Browns offered him like a reasonable deal. Maybe I, even the same. I, in our text messages earlier this week, I threw out like a one-year $5 million deal. I wouldn't be shocked if it was one And six. I said I was hoping for less. You were hoping for one four. Wasn't he, he, he going to make $8 million with the Packers? Correct. Yeah. He got, he got $9 million. Okay. All with right. The Packers. All right. Well, or now with I the understand. Lions. Well, now I understand. So it's it's another one of those situations where it's like, 
you throw your hands up. Like, like you want this player, but not at that dollar value. Yeah, you absolutely can't. That would have been perfect. I'm but. kind of shocked that anybody threw out a contract that big. At and this to me, stage the Lions the actually have a decent amount of defensive line depth. It's kind of weird. Oh yeah, I mean that they've got Snacks Harrison. They've got they've brought in Flowers this off season. They've got they've got the, one of the those two kids Alabama, from Alabama, the Alabama no, kids. They've Deshaun got Deshaun Hand and a Sean Robinson. Yeah, they've got all they've got a lot of depth on the defensive line. It's kind of funny to me that they spent that much. Like. It it reads like a desperate move for a team that really needs defensive tackle depth, so we're going to overpay for it. They're in a contract dispute with Stax Harrison, so I mean maybe they're thinking they might move him or something. But they just got him from the Jets last season. Yeah, they got him in the middle of the season last year. That's weird. All right, well let's talk about our defensive line. Chad Thomas stirred up some controversy in training camp. (laughs) (laughs) Flipped the bird to some fans, got in a fight. Uh, you think he makes 53? I hope not. I think he does, though. Why? Freddie Kitchens was talking about him when he was asked about him today and said that he's been been playing like really good fundamental football. Like, like Did he say s- that? No, he's, he spoke about him in a way that was more gloating than necessary. Like when a head coach gets asked about a player, like you expect him to because say Because he's trying things. to stroke Dorsey's ego. He's trying to make sure that he and Dorsey are in lockstep. But Dorsey gets to he doesn't choose have the to make the hard, He doesn't have to make the hard call until later down the line. But Dorsey gets to choose. So the he's gonna game. he's gonna give Chad Thomas every chance. Okay. Every chance. And so it's early in camp. He's gonna talk highly about Chad Thomas right now and make it clear that he got every single opportunity to win a spot. And then say at the end of the day, he just didn't have enough. Because there's, there's no way you keep Chad Thomas ahead of an Anthony Zettel. Like so, how do you do so that? So Zettel's been getting his reps. Zettel's been apparently looking really good. I will also say that um, Vernon sat out today just on a scheduled rest day. And opposite Miles Garrett, Chris Smith, and Chad Thomas split defensive end reps with the first team. So, like, maybe that fits within your, your, your narrative or, or how, you're, how you're framing the issue. He's getting every opportunity. But to me, that also looks like a guy who's, like – Potential, like, what's the difference between a coach giving a player every opportunity and a player like working his way up the depth chart? From my perspective, I have no way to here's tell my the difference. Okay, here's, here's my thing. thing: shouldn't Chad Thomas be slid inside? Shouldn't he be interior defensive tackle depth? Yes, and but they're not playing tech? him that way. They're playing him. It defensive doesn't make end. any sense. It doesn't, it make, doesn't any make any sense. sense. Also, it's a run stopping defensive. That's what also, he does. When have you ever heard anything other than talk about Chad Thomas? When have you heard Chad Thomas made a play today on the field? Never. Chad Thomas has never made a significant play that anyone has ever talked about. Not one single time. He might be getting reps, but he's not actually doing anything with them. Like, he hasn't done anything to flash on the field. All right, Michael, you're getting really frustrated right I now. Think, have you heard his latest EP, though? I think... <laughs> no. <laughs> I just I think that might calm you down. Is it Bowman? <laughs> Please tell me you Straight have Straight fire. It. No, I haven't heard it. <laughs> No, but isn't that a legitimate point? Like, on the field, no, there's yeah, never been one point where he's flashed and been like, oh, Chad Thomas, this is the athleticism that we were hoping for whenever we drafted him at the top of the third round. No, I've never seen a clip video. I've never written, read a line about anything that Chad Thomas has done. It's only been people things. hoping for the optimism or someone talking about Miles Garrett teaching him things. 
like, I don't see any hope for Chad Thomas. So, Michael, you say does not make the 53? No. I, I hope I think, that he doesn't, is what I, think I said. He does. I think he does, too. I think he does. I can't, I can't see the players who make it above him. Uh, I do. Defensive end. Defensive end. What's your defensive end rotation? Because they're playing to make exclusively a defensive end right now. We can't consider him a three-tech. Who? Chad Thomas. Yeah. So, I think we've got Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon. We've Gennard got Jannard Avery. Avery. He's been playing edge. I think exclusively. <laughs> I think they're still going to consider him a linebacker. Um, we've got Chris Smith. We've got Anthony Zettel. You don't take Chad six Thomas. defensive ends. I know, but I'm thinking they're going to put Jannard Avery at a linebacker because he can still play it. I disagree. I think you keep five of those guys, and Chad Thomas is the guy. I, I just don't think Chad Thomas – I don't think John Dorsey's the type to, to quit. I, I really – I agree. I, I think, think John Dorsey is all in and giving Chad Thomas this year, and if this year he doesn't produce, if he doesn't make it onto the field and he doesn't do anything in games, then he's absolutely gone. But he gets this year at least. You get two years. You get two years, and that's – no matter what, that's what you get yeah. if you're a third-round pick. For better or worse, that's John Dorsey's – that's going to M- be M.O. at this point. That's going to be his bent about it. I have – oh, this was from five years ago. But I have a, a, a sound cloud for, that Chad oh. Thomas produced. Are you, are you willing to do the work to put that in here? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our listeners, you can't listen to any original Chad. Maybe, maybe we'll make it our intro music this week. All right, we're going to do that. A little Chad Thomas. You're going to hear it. Um, I got time. All right, another thing. <laughs> yeah, Matthew's wife is out of the country, so Matthew's got a little bit more time than normal. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, we had all of this talk uh, from D. Haslam about the new uniforms in 2020 and also the fact that she hasn't heard back, that the Browns organization hasn't heard back from the NFL about whether or not we're going to be able to wear our Color Rush uniforms more than three times. Um, but she also said, as everybody knows, the helmets are not going to change in 2020 whenever we make a uniform change. That is untouchable. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, that's like the only way that they could make this uniform situation worse yes. is if they just like decided to take some creative liberties with the tradition in the helmets. Or gave us a new logo that everyone hated. Like, imagine if that horrible dog was on our helmets. Yeah. That, yes. would, that would be the worst case scenario. Um so anyway, we haven't heard back about the more than three with the color rush uniforms. Do you think that we're going to be able to wear it more times? I do. I, I, I think we'll ultimately get it. I, the only reason I can come up with that the NFL would say no is because they've said no in the past to teams. And so I think that's the holdup, is that when you make a request like this, it isn't just in a silo, right? Ever, there's history it affects that, that the other comes teams. Up and it affects the other teams, and it but affects the NFL, precedent. The NFL right. doesn't work on a precedent system. They Apparently. do whatever they want at any time, no matter what. Apparently, there's so. still politics. Apparently so, but there's there's so like Michael said, there's so many politics. There is like, no common law here, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that works in our favor because yeah, I think like looking at it objectively, I don't think that you'll find a person who says. You know what? I think we should make them wear those god awful <laughs> uniforms. <laughs> that actually does With work that, in our favor. Yeah. How ugly our <laughs> uniforms are like, is our best case for like, that hideous so brown bad. uniform with the white shadow on the orange numbers. Yeah. Like, oh man, it's bad. The color rush is great, 
everybody likes it. Players like it. Most of the fans like it. Like, they look good on TV. And I was We're so going to get new unis next year. Like, this isn't going to be a thing that continues. Like, I, th- I think that's also, like, a factor in the NFL's thought process is, like, if we let you do this this year, like, are, are you going to expect that we do this in future years? And for us, it'd be like, no. We're getting you, – you aren't letting us get new uniforms until next year. So, like, this is a stopgap until we get new unis, and then everything's fine. Yeah, and I mean, I was thinking about this. Like, what are those conversations the NFL has to have behind closed doors? It's with the other teams that have potentially wanted to do this in the past that have been denied. But there's no denying how popular the color rush uniforms are. So you have a conversation about, look at how much more money we're going to make selling these jerseys. We get them on there. It's more shared revenue. It's all of these different things. All of these comments also, you're making. Also, should it factor in that we have not been allowed to wear a color rush unis for the first two years that they existed because of like just yeah, the back channel coincidence? Yeah, we just kind of you know stored up the extra use of them, and yeah. we're just going to kind of at least give those, us those two. Cash those right? rain checks in right it's, now. It's like rollover minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Our salary cap. <laughs> so true. So true. No, so I think I think it'll come back. I think we'll wear them six times this year. What I'm interested to see is how similar, or even if they like directly use those jerseys in our new design. Well, I think we're going back towards like a more traditional look. So, I mean, those color rush are rather traditional. They're just like two colors instead of three. Like if you like took the white, it's the perfect blend. Um, So, I mean, it's modern though. I think our new unis will resemble those because they're both based on like a more traditional like foundation. Yep. What I want them to do is I want them to lighten the brown a little bit. The and brown, the brown I want them looks to, a little... I want them to soften the brown so it's more... Turdish? No, I wouldn't say turdish. I mean, that's just Look not... Look at the Courtney Brown era that's, jerseys, that's and it's very turdish. They're very turdish. That's yes. not the word I would use to make a hard sell on the new jerseys, but <laughs> I, I would love for them to lighten the brown just ever so slightly. And do honestly the color rush jerseys with white instead of orange, and then um, have orange as an option, and then do white with brown instead of simple like simple, white jerseys. Simple. Yeah, not extra text. The extra text on the pants and stuff is what kills me. The shadow on the numbers, brutal. So, I mean, what's the best jerseys in the NFL? It's the uh, I think the Bears, the Bears throwback jerseys, no, Bears throwbacks, Bears throwbacks are, are baller. The Bears color rush are freaking great. I don't know what the Bears color rush looks like. Isn't it just blue? Isn't it like our color rush, but just like navy and orange? No, that's their throwback one. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, no, they're th- that one's baller. It's the best. throwback. That's is great. Um, the the Chargers like traditional like throwback powder blues are great. Those are yes. very good. Uh, they wear those all the time, though. The, well, they're like they typical have powder blue now. That's part of their normal jersey rotation. Yeah, okay. the, the, the it's like not a throwback one. It's like with their current design. Just the, in the best uni that is just like part of the normal course of action for the NFL. I mean, I love the Packers. Yeah, that's the thing. Is everybody it's loves more dull. traditional? But yeah, you no, know, you know what my you, favorite. You want, a, you want a timeless. Look. You know what my favorite jerseys are in all of Ooh. NFL and college are of great. all time? No, it's Penn State. I love Penn State's jerseys. I think they're fantastic. Let's just do that. 
they are nice we, and clean. We have nothing. You, you, we have Brown no logo. and orange Penn State. <laughs> exactly. We have nothing else. I would add a stripe. To well, helmet, yeah. Right. Doesn't Penn State have a stripe? Penn State yeah. has stripe. Penn State has one stripe. I like we our helmet. Stripe on our helmet. Well, our stripe's not changing. Yeah. D Haslam laughed when somebody asked if our helmet was going to change. Like she was asked in that presser yesterday yeah. if the helmet was going to change, and she laughed and was like, "No, no, 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 no." Which, like, good, but. Four years ago, when they or five years ago, when they first started this jersey reform process, I was so excited. Like, by the way, that was a, thought it was going to be great. That was a consideration. It's a microcosm of being a Browns fan, right? It's when way they, too optimistic. When they first started having these conversations, like that was not a question that was off the table. Was if I, I specifically remember a quote from from one of the Haslands where they're like, "We're going to listen to the fans and we're going to like think about what everybody wants and." Like, look. They overthought it, is what they did. Oh, my God. But like, they also like listened the, to the fans, and they knew that changing the helmet was off the table. That's true. But, like, what fans are you listening to? Because, like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of Browns fans I don't want you listening to <laughs> any of these topics, right? <laughs> like, say say you're listening to the fans. What's your sample size on that? Because we got to get a large enough population. It was not a representative yes, sample, that's exactly. for sure. Oh my gosh! No, but this next one is—I I feel like it's going to be fantastic because the amount of positive affirmation that has come from the color rush uniforms—it it means that we're heading that direction, right? Like that you, is the direction that we're going to go. If I—I I hope we just use the color rush uniforms and we do variations of it. I hope that they're not terrified that that's going to be too simplistic, um, and that it's not going to be a big enough change. But I mean, you look at what we've been doing in all of our media days. Our everything has been our color rush jerseys. On all the photos that they're taking of all the players, color rush jerseys. Yeah, on the, the scoreboard. Season, on the scoreboard, on the season yeah. tickets that they're sending out. On they're the putting the full court press on the NFL to make the decision in you, that favor. You, you didn't give us an answer. We already spent all these marketing dollars taking all these photo shoots. Now, and, and I think that's true for, for this season. It'll be color rush. And I think um, going forward, it'll be a much more traditional, clean look. And, I mean... Good on the Haslam's, okay. if that's the case, taking their medicine. Okay, I have a topic gotcha. change. All right, there we go. Um, going back to camp. This hasn't been talked about very much, and I think it's like a topic that no one wants to approach at this point, and it's still early, so I don't think we should draw any like definitive conclusions about anything that's happened in camp through five days. Was it just me, or does it seem like Baker's thrown a lot of picks? I think Baker's the type who doesn't give a crap about picks in practice. So you think he's just like pedal to the metal, pushing the limits and like trying to do everything that he can and like he's going to throttle it back in a game situation? Is that what you're trying to say? I think he's the type that he cares more about like winning in that game situation. Like he recognizes that he's not trying – he doesn't care what people think about him, I, get, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like, if there's one thing about Baker, he, he is who he is and he doesn't give a crap what anybody thinks. So the, in practice, that leads to him being more willing, I think, to throw riskier passes to kind of test the limits, to, to test those windows, like figure it out without feeling like – like, a, a practice interception doesn't matter at all. 
you get the ball back and you try again. Like, Wait. like the, the proper way of practicing is probably throwing a lot of interceptions. And seeing what windows look like. Right. Especially it's, against a defense like ours that is probably about probably as quick and fast as any. pretty good, right? So, like, if you're out there not throwing interceptions but also not, like, pushing the limit, like, are you really taking advantage of the opportunities that you're getting? The question is, is can you take what you're learning from the practice field Absolutely. in pushing the limits and properly apply it on the field on Sundays when it matters? Absolutely. Because, like, if you let your emotions like this is me like as a competitor like i let my emotions get the best of me and just kind of go full throttle yes, and yes, let it fall by the wayside right and, like and for all the listeners an absolute primo competitor Mike yeah. is. <laughs> obnoxious <laughs> i mean honestly like i don't think i if i'm being honest like i can't throttle that up and down like Correct. it's like on or off yeah what you're saying i would hope is true but I don't know. So I remember reading, I don't know, it might have been the Mina Kimes article a couple years ago about Aaron Rodgers, or it may have been somebody else's profile, but talking about his approach to practice and how he does, like, he never throws interceptions in a game, but he throws a ton of interceptions in practice. And just him talking about that approach, and he's like, it's practice, it doesn't matter. Like, it makes sense. Like, not that it doesn't matter, like, he's not trying, but, like, this is the time to, like, roll the dice. This is the time to see what's possible. This is the time to, like, test the limits and see what you can do. But that is, that is somebody, if you are in that position, that is somebody that is like, mastered what they are doing and is, like, working the margins. Sure. Do you know what I'm and, saying? And Baker might not be there yet. And I'm not and sure that Baker's there true. yet. That's kind of what I'm like alluding to. And so I think it's something worth monitoring. Because it's not like Baker didn't have interceptions as a rookie. Like His high points were fantastic, but his low points were the Texans game and some of these other games where he threw a lot of really ill-advised passes that cost us significantly. Yep. And he I also think he, he didn't have a ridiculous number of interceptions. Like his ratio, fourteen or something on the fourteen to twenty-seven touchdowns, something like that. Like that's a reasonable rate. Like you're throwing one interception a game. Like it was a rookie. It was better than any other rookies. Like even for a rookie, or like fine. Yeah. Like we can deal with that. Like it's gonna happen. You've you've got your ups and you've got your downs. Absolutely. I want him. I want him to be. Go push the, the push the envelope. Like let's let's go see. I would rather have a quarterback that throws a couple of touchdowns and. An interception I mean, in a game as the, opposed to an Alex Smith type character that's absolutely like never trying for anything. You, Especially you with res- your ceiling so much if you're not willing to make like Tyrod Taylor. Like we, we were never going anywhere with Tyrod Taylor because we he wasn't willing to risk anything. Yeah. I mean the the player comparison that Baker's been compared to for the last three years is Brett Favre. He has the NFL record for most interceptions thrown in a career. I don't think Baker will ever that challenge is a, that. That is a great record yeah, to have, that, honestly. That is a badge of honor. Like, you were good enough and in throwing interceptions and taking risks that people kept being like, you know what? You're great. We're going to employ you. You're going to have the opportunity to throw here's the here's the, Oh, no doubt. Here's the thing to... He's already in it. Yep. Here's the thing to think about. With this particular cast of characters, isn't that exactly the type of core quarterback that we need to have? 
oh, with yeah. this wide receiver core. Well, that's, that's OBJ and Jarvis. Yeah. Like, there's no ball that's potentially uncatchable. Yeah, they can make the catch at almost any time. There's a good chance yeah. that they're going to come up with it. So toss it up there. Like, and that's Absolutely. what excites me most about this offense is not that we're necessarily there I can't wait for the right to now. Start. Oh but my can you imagine the things that we're going to see this year throughout the course of an entire season? I mean, we saw some in Baker's first game against the Jets, like that beeline straight down the hash right to Jarvis, right, right before the right end zone. Right between the two defenders. Yeah, right yep. between the two end zones where Jarvis turned his hips completely, came back to the ball, and high-pointed it right over the defender, ended up on like the one or two-yard line or something like that. Like, those are the things that we're going to see all the time. And it's not just going to be with Jarvis. It's going to be OBJ down there, um, yards down the field. And Baker's one of the most accurate quarterbacks on deep ball throws in the entire NFL. I'm, I'm excited. I want everyone to stay healthy. At this point, I'm, like, thinking about worst-case scenarios because there's too many, like, positives. All I can do is, like, go down the road of negatives and find ways that, like, it doesn't work out and things go bad. Well, I mean, honestly, something that no one ever talks about is Odell has a history of injuries. It's true. That is something that Browns fans haven't talked about. There is a good chance, a, a moderate chance, that Odell gets hurt this year. We and need some Antonio Callaway to step up in those situations. We absolutely do. All right. We should probably close this thing up. You want to wrap it up? Yeah. Is there any other topics we wanted to cover? Well, we just got to give a shout-out to our sponsor. Shout-out to our sponsor, Venus. Thank you so much for sponsoring <laughs> the podcast. Really appreciate that. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, Venus, uh, smooth, clean shave. Anytime you're shaving your legs, um, be sure to shave with Venus. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.